Amen. Good singing this morning. If you would uh, take your Bible and turn to John chapter 8, and we're going to begin in verse 1 and go through verse 11. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And if you got the uh, church app on your uh, phone or tablet, you can open it up there to the Bible and it'll open up for you. And I want to encourage you to open up the uh, sermon notes as well. I have a few things I want you to fill in as we go through the message this morning. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. This morning we're looking at a touch of forgiveness and as you think about forgiveness, forgiveness is a subject that for some people is a sensitive subject. And it's a subject though that as we look at the Bible has great rewards. Matter of fact, uh, there's two broad spectrums. Without forgiveness, we see people who struggle with bitterness and a broken relationship with others and with the Lord because the Bible tells us if we're not willing to forgive others, then God's not willing to forgive us of our sins. And so forgiveness is an area that brings about the greatest blessings because the Bible tells us that when we give forgiveness and when we receive forgiveness, relationships are healed, including a right relationship with the Lord. And yet forgiveness is an area a lot of people struggle with. Some people struggle with giving forgiveness to others and they seem to have forgotten the example that the Lord has given forgiveness to us and he does that every day. Matter of fact, in the Bible in 1 John 1, 9, the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if we get a real perspective of that verse, then I think it should change our perspective of forgiveness and give us a more reasonable view of how to offer forgiveness to others and also how we need forgiveness. And today we're going to get some victory over sin and struggles in our life by looking at this touch of forgiveness from the Lord. Now I've also seen that there's two other perspectives of forgiveness that people struggle with and that either feeling like they don't need any forgiveness because they aren't doing anything worse than anybody else. And so they don't need forgiveness. My sins are not as bad as other people's are, so I'm okay. The other perspective is feeling like their sins are too bad. And how could God forgive me with as ugly as a sin as I have in my life? But both of these views, no matter whether it's a view of you know, I'm okay, I'm just as good as everybody else, or my sins are too ugly, they're too shameful for God to forgive me of those sins. Both of those views end up with people living without victory in their life, living in a continual state of sin. As I said today, I believe the Lord wants some folks to have some victory over sin in their life. And so we're going to look at these scriptures in John chapter 8 about, that tells us about a woman who was caught and what the Bible says, the very act of adultery. And she was brought to the Lord Jesus to see what he was going to say. Because the scribes and the Pharisees were giving Jesus a hard time. And they were trying to see where he stood so that they could bring accusations against him. And to hopefully get some charge that they could arrest him. And so they have brought this woman, put, him in the, put her in the very front of Jesus. And say, she is caught in the very act of adultery. What do you have to say? Pretty tense situation, you might say. Matter of fact, let's just put it in here and let's say we're worshiping and then all of a sudden the back door's open and some people drag a woman up to the front aisle and say, Pastor, this woman was caught in bed with another woman, a man 
by her husband, what do you say we do with her? Put a silence in the crowd, wouldn't it? That was kind of like the scene was. And so let's look at this in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading this out of the New King James this morning. And it says, And Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now, over the years of hearing messages, reading these scriptures and various people, one of the things that draws people's attention probably more than anything and really kind of miss out on the true meaning of these scriptures, and that is, what do you think he was writing in the sand? What was he writing on the ground there? Was he writing maybe some verses from the Bible, from the scriptures, from the scrolls uh, that would convict their hearts if they read it? Maybe he was writing some of the sins of those who were the accusers that were standing around. What was Jesus writing on the ground? Well, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait to heaven to get find out for that. And then he might still not tell you. But in verse 7, it says, And so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her. Now that's a verse that ought to really kind of put a perspective of everything because in that verse, the Lord is saying, Okay, you've brought her to me and you've said, All right, here's what we should do to her. So I tell you what, you want to know my opinion? My opinion is... That whichever one of you has no sin in your life, once you start this riot out, once you go ahead and grab the first stone and stoner. Well, that suddenly set in a reality to all the accusers. And in verse 8 it says, And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. Which means that they suddenly remembered a lot of sin in their own personal life. They began to think about, now we don't know for sure if Jesus had been written, writing down some of those sins, possibly he was, but they were convicted by their own conscience of the sins. And it says that they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Now they drug you here and they've said, here's what you've done. But uh, are any of them ready to cast the first stone? Has any of them said, let's do it. She deserves it. And verse 11 says, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said something to her. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, when Jesus says, neither do I can condemn you, go and sin no more, and the NIV translation says, go and leave your life of sin, we can kind of look at that and say, well, if Jesus said, I don't condemn this woman who has committed adultery, if Jesus is not condemning her, then what is the use of the Ten Commandments and what's the use of the Scriptures in the Bible? Because he says he doesn't condemn her. 
But we got to understand the reality that what Jesus was doing is, I don't condemn you because what I want you to do, I just want you to confess your sins. Come clean and leave here different than when you were brought here. And that's the whole purpose of the Ten Commandments, the whole purpose of the Scriptures, the whole purpose of salvation. And that is, the Lord is not interested in condemning us and sending us to a place called hell. The whole purpose that the Lord has is for us to confess our sins, come clean before Him, and have a right relationship with Him and with God the Father, and have an eternal home in heaven. That's what God's whole purpose is. And so, that is what is called forgiveness, right? Let's try saying that together. One, two, three, forgiveness. One more time. One, two, three, forgiveness. That's what forgiveness is all about. And I don't know about you, but I love the word forgiveness. I love to experience forgiveness. I love to know that Christ has forgiven me. And so I definitely don't want to be one who struggles with this issue about forgiveness. And forgiveness is available to each one of us today if we're willing to reach out and to receive that forgiveness. And you can leave here today offering forgiveness and receiving forgiveness. And here's the first thing I would tell you, that you can receive that forgiveness today no matter how secret or seen your sin is. And so if you have the Bible app, type in that word secret there. No matter how secret or seen your sin is, Forgiveness is offered to you today. Your sin can be secret or seen and by other people. Other people may know it or it may be just a sin that you're thinking, it's my little secret. Nobody knows it. And so therefore, I don't have to ask for forgiveness. But yet the Bible teaches us that no matter what's going on in our life, that nobody else knows about it, the Lord knows everything. You see, there is no such thing as a secret sin. It may be a sin that you, your other church people that you go to church with may not know about it. Your pastor may not know about it. Your wife or your husband may not know about it. But there is no secret sins before the Lord. He knows them all. And even if those sins are the sins of a thought. You see, I think that probably a lot of people, one of the sins that they struggle with, that's their secret sin, is the sins that are the thoughts in their mind. We could kind of identify that with what the Lord said when he said, talked about adultery once before. And he said, when a man lusts in his heart, he has committed adultery. Now, wait a minute. In my heart, nobody knows what's going on in my heart. That reflects my thoughts, my, my feelings, my emotions, but I haven't taken action in it. And yet the Lord said, you may think that's a secret sin that's just even in your heart and your mind and your emotions. And yet the Lord says, you have committed adultery in your very heart. Amen. What is the Bible telling us through that is there is no secrets even of our hearts and our minds. The Lord knows those. And even when there is lustful thoughts that Maybe we wouldn't want our spouse to know or our family to know. Even if there's things that I've been thinking about somebody, maybe I come to church and I go, hey, how you doing? And in my mind, I'm thinking, you lousy, slow down, sorry, scum. That's a sin in your heart that needs for forgiveness. And the great thing is the Bible's telling us to see if you look at verse three in these scriptures, the Bible talks about them bringing that woman that says the scribes and the Pharisees brought her before the Lord. Listen to verse 3. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. 
And when they had set her in the midst. Now we don't know whether it's the scribe, some one of the scribes or the Pharisees who actually called her. We don't know if it's one of their, their wives or whether the husband had caught her and brought her to the scribes and the Pharisees. But this was a situation that probably in this woman's mind and whoever the man was that she was having an affair with, it was a secret thing and yet their secret became exposed. Probably some of you have known people who have had affairs or had sins that were kind of like their secret sins that nobody else knows about it. But you know, God has a way of always bringing those sins out into the open. We even had someone in our government uh, that in, the, in Georgia that had had an affair for, I think it was 20-something years. And then, bam, it hit the news. You see, there is no secret sins before God. And God takes our little secret sins and he exposes them. So I tell you this morning that no matter how secret you may think it is, that it's even niched in your thoughts. The Lord says that if even it's there, it needs to be dealt with and it needs for forgiveness. And those secret sins need to be carried before the Lord. The good thing is that even if you, it's just you and the Lord that knows about it, the Lord is saying, I'm willing to forgive you if you bring that sin to me. No matter how secret or seen your sin is, God is willing to forgive you. No matter how shameful your sin is, if you got your app, type in that word shameful there. You see, it doesn't matter. Your sin can be shameful to you and even others close to you, and you still have a need for forgiveness. You see, this woman, if you look at verse 4 in this scripture, it tells us, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. She was walked in on while in bed without any clothes in the very act of a sexual activity. That's pretty shameful, isn't it? That's what they're presenting to everybody. You see, the Bible tells us Jesus, where was he? He was in the temple. And everybody was listening to his teaching, so the crowds had gathered and then they came in with this woman. She was in the most shameful situation that you could be in. And it's just a reminder to us that the Lord's telling us that no matter how shameful your sin is, not only to you and to others, it can be forgiven. You see, there's a lot of times that there's sin in our life that we don't want anybody to know about it. And you know what's kind of strange? I have had this happen, and it may be even on somebody's mind today that you're thinking about a sin in your life, and you're thinking, I can't deal with this at church. And I have seen people over the years that have had sins in their life that they try to cover up and keep hidden, even thinking that, you know, if I confess this at church or if I come to an altar, and when I say confess, and I'm not talking about standing up and saying, hey, everybody, I did this. But I'm talking about if you just acknowledge it to the Lord, if you come to an altar and kneel. I've had people over the years, they're thinking, my, my sin is too shameful. I can't do that at church. If I come to an altar, everybody's gonna start thinking of things about me. Here's the great thing. God's gonna be thinking, finally, we're getting rid of this. Finally, you're coming into a right relationship with me. You see, the only thing that matters about your sin, no matter how shameful it is to you personally, is that you get it dealt with between you and the Lord. 
And that is what God's trying to put across to us. Not that anybody has to be drug in front of everybody else. And you know, I said that in this app, it says shameful to you and to others close to you. I've seen other people that they have struggled with a sin and they have tried to keep that sin hidden because they're thinking this is going to embarrass my family. This is going to cause embarrassment where I work at. This is going to cause embarrassment at school. This is going to cause embarrassment to my friends. What are they going to think about me? It doesn't matter. You see, if a person really loves you and cares about you, when you deal with it, that's when rejoicing comes. That's where healing comes. And so no matter how shameful a sin is to you personally or to those who are closest to you, the only thing that matters is that you get forgiveness and get victory over it. It also doesn't matter how severe your sin is. If you got the app in that number three, type in the word severe. You see, your sins can be severe in the eyes of others, even in the eyes of the law, and still be forgiven. I want you to look at this verse five in this Scripture, it says that now Moses, this is what the scribes and the Pharisees are saying to Jesus. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? Now we can read that and it's just like, okay, the law says she should be stoned. Uh, Let's put this in perspective, maybe wording we would understand. To be caught in the act of adultery was the death penalty. It was to be put into the electric chair. It was to receive a legal injection, lethal injection. So this woman was caught in something that in that day and time was a very serious offense. And they've been brought her into front of Jesus. And yet we look at the scriptures and the Bible tells us, Jesus said, where's all your accusers? Do they condemn you? I don't condemn you long as you're willing to leave here and sin no more. You see, the Scripture's letting us know, and I don't think probably that no matter what we looked at in the Bible, and you know we have a way of kind of categorizing sins, don't we? In our human minds. Well, you know, this is just a little white lie, so it's not so bad. And, you know, uh, well, I took something from work, but they weren't using it. That's not quite so bad. Or, you know, well, you know, I... I did have an affair, but it was only one night stand. We, we kind of categorize things. We put little extra additives on the stuff. But yet we look at this in, the, in that day. And you know, today, we, adultery is something that you don't get your life taken. You don't get thrown in jail. But in that day, puts a little bit of perspective of how serious the Lord looks at a sexual relationship and a marriage relationship But in that day, it was a death penalty. This woman would be stoned to death. And so even though how severe, which it was at the ultimate, I mean, how can you be any worse of a punishment than the death penalty? The only thing worse than that would be cast into hell for all of eternity. And yet this woman was forgiven by the Lord. And he's teaching us. That no matter how secret your sin is, no matter how shameful your sin is, no matter how severe your sin is, forgiveness is offered from the Lord. Because the Lord is not interested in condemning us or cursing us. All he's interested in is having a right relationship with us. And as I told you that, you know, if you look at this verse 11 in the scripture that I read, 
after the Lord said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. The Lord didn't want her just to receive forgiveness at that moment and then go back to her same lifestyle and think, hey, if they arrest me again, hopefully Jesus will show up and I can get forgiveness again. Jesus' whole purpose was, I tell you what, I'm not gonna condemn you. And when the Lord said, I'm not gonna condemn you, he's basically saying this, let's just bury this sin and forget it. If you'll go and sin no more. If you'll leave this sin out of your life. If you'll abandon, for her it wasn't just a sin, but it was apparently a life of sin. It was a habitual thing. For some people, they are habitual liars. Have you ever met somebody that, uh, matter of fact, I was having a conversation with somebody in the last few months about someone who that just lies. And even when they wouldn't have to lie, they would lie. And because of their lying, it causes them to tell another lie to try to cover up the lie that they just told. They have just a habitual lifestyle lying. I also encountered someone in the last few months that I was having conversation with them that they are habitually attached to pornography. It has gripped their life. What I'm saying is that from all different perspectives, there are sins, there are activities, there are desires and lusts that kind of seem to get a grip on our life and they get a hold of us. And what the Lord's whole desire is, let's get the grip off. You see, forgiveness is not about being able to do something and be okay and go back and do it again. But here is the whole purpose of forgiveness and that is to be delivered from the penalty of sin and the whole plan of forgiveness is to set you free from the power of sin. That's what forgiveness is for. The Lord says, I want to forgive you and you leave your sin and sin no more so that the penalty of sin of a death sentence you're set free from I can imagine this woman's rejoicing when she leaves here. She's probably going back, J-E-S-U-S, I love Jesus, you know. She just got delivered from the penalty of death sentence. And that's the whole purpose of forgiveness, to set you free from the penalty of sin. And God's whole plan in forgiveness is to set us free from that power of sin to have a grip on our life. I said that many people struggle with this area of forgiveness. Giving forgiveness Sometimes receiving forgiveness. But the Lord wants you to get out of the sin and the grips that it has on your life so that you can have victory in your life today. And so the question is this, are you ready to get set free today and live victorious? If you are, then be willing to give and receive forgiveness and leave the sin behind. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to think for just a moment about the situation that this woman was in. This was what we call the biblical days, isn't it? The days when Jesus walked on the earth, the days when the scriptures were being recorded that made up the Bible. This is the days of the Bible. And in those days, an act of adultery was a death sentence. We kind of take it half-heartedly, but you know, adultery has been killing marriages, killing families. It's been a death sentence even today, even though a person doesn't physically lose their life. The truth of that is that 
Sin has been killing relationships. I'm not talking about just adultery, but lying, cheating, stealing. Sin has been killing relationships and is killing relationships today and causing people to live defeated instead of victorious. Forgiveness is not given. It'll create a root of bitterness that'll eat you alive. Forgiveness is not received will cause a regular life of living in sin. And the Lord doesn't want you to leave there. He said, go and sin no more or leave your life of sin or leave the sin behind. And remember that setting of that woman being drugged inside the temple, the churchyard, where the crowd was gathered listening to the great teaching of Jesus. She was in the ultimate embarrassment. But let me tell you this morning, I'm not interested in embarrassing anybody. Because when I look at these scriptures, I'm reminded that this old sinner has been forgiven of my sins. And I've been covered in the blood of Jesus, wrapped in his arms of love. And what I want to offer you today is the same thing. If sin has got a grip on your life, if unforgiveness has got a hold of you, unforgiveness for others or maybe unforgiveness for yourself. Let me tell you, I'm not gonna drag you in front of nobody. Not gonna ask you to announce your sin because Jesus didn't and I sure wouldn't wanna do anything beyond what Jesus did. But I would ask you to do what Jesus did. That is, ask for that forgiveness, give that forgiveness and then go and sin no more. And so if you need to do that right in the pew where you're at, you just go ahead and do it right there. If you feel like you need to come and kneel at the altar, then you come right now. But all that I ask you to do is don't leave here with your sin. That's all Jesus asked that woman to do. Caught in the very act of adultery, naked and full of shame. And all Jesus asked for that woman to do is to leave and sin no more. He didn't ask her by that to mean to be perfect. He was just asking her, don't go back into adultery. Don't go back into that relationship. Don't go back into that same sin. And that's the same thing that Jesus is asking of you today. Don't go back from this church the same way you came. If your sin has been a secret in your heart and your thoughts and in your minds, then get rid of it today. If it's something that has been so shameful that you just feel like there's no way that you can be forgiven, let me let you know today that Jesus has handled a lot worse sins than what you've committed. And he can handle yours today too. <laughs> no matter how severe it is, no matter how shameful, no matter how secret or seen, the Lord is interested in forgiving you today. And I just believe in all my heart that the Lord gave me a new perspective of this message because he wants to set some people free today to live victorious. And so would you receive that? If you need to receive it right where you're at, do it right now. I'm gonna begin praying in just a moment. If you need to do it at the altar, you come right now. Whatever will set you free. But if you feel a nudging uh, for those who are the accusers, they, they just dropped the stones and left with their conscience pricked. Don't you leave here with just your conscience pricked. You leave here with your conscience clear in a relationship that's been restored. 
So if you need to come or if you need to do it right there, you just do it today. Lord, I come to you, Lord, and I'm not asking anybody to raise their hand because, Lord, you know where they are and you know what their life is. You know their thoughts, their minds, their emotions, their hearts. Lord, you know if someone needs to do it right there in the pew or if they need to do it in the altar. But I just lift them up to you, Lord, that they would leave here knowing that they have done business with you. If it's that root of bitterness that's got a grip in their heart, Lord, I pray that today they'll sever that root in two. Lord, if it's some sin in their life that they've been struggling with and feeling like that they can't be forgiven or maybe they've asked for forgiveness and they just can't let it go, Lord, I pray that they'll let it go today. Lord, may you set some people free because this is the truth. You don't condemn. You just want to be able to forgive. That's the truth. And the Bible says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So God, I'm asking you to set some people free today. May they have a touch of forgiveness and leave and sin no more. And it's in your holy name I praise you and thank you that you have given me forgiveness and Lord, that you have given it to some people today. And to that, all God's people said, amen.